Welcome to the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel powered by Inside Texas. I'm Joe Cook. Today I'm joined by our X's and O's expert, Ian Boyd. We're going to talk a little bit about the Alamo Bowl last year, how it affects the Sugar Bowl this year, the matchup between Texas and Washington. And then we'll get into some details about the Texas defense, namely how Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat, who was just named a unanimous All-American, have really stepped up the play for that entire unit. Ian, how are you doing up in the great Midwest today? Good. A little colder. Um, got me putting on some wool socks and I, before we came on. You, Joe, you've been in the in the Sugar Bowl, right? You've been you've didn't you cover the Texas Georgia game there? Yes, January first, twenty nineteen, and uh, it is you're you're at a pretty high perch where the all twenty two film usually uh, is is taken from. Um, you've been in the Alamo Bowl, I'm sure. I've been in the Alamo Bowl in the press box before for the uh, the Oregon State game, and was that twenty twelve? I don't know how people feel about the Alamo Bowl in general, but my sense is that the press box in the Alamo Bowl is very popular. Is that right? It is. It's basically, you know, 50-yard line, midfield, good angle. Um, I don't know if anybody watches Mizzou football. That's a bad angle for TV, but it's a good angle to watch from. Kind of the same place uh, you're, you're looking from, just above the lower concourse. I got to see a lot of this Washington team last year in the – Alamo Bowl. Uh, we got to see a lot of the same Texas team last year in the Alamo Bowl and their defense. Uh, basically a cast of the same characters, same three wide receivers, Michael Penix at quarterback. A lot of the same guys on that defensive field last year will be there again for the Longhorns, just basically change out a, a linebacker and a safety. And we'll talk about the strategy that Texas used last year in order to really keep Michael Penix in check. They scored 27 points. Uh, but seven of those came through the run game, held them to two field goals. Uh, of course, they got two touchdowns, ended up prevailing over the Longhorns for, I think, an 11-win season. Uh, but, Ian, what, what stood out to you about last year's strategy? And let's think of who the defensive back options were really quickly. If I'm going to go – I'm going to go off memory. You had Ryan Watts. You had Jaron Thompson, who recorded an interception. Anthony Cook. Jade Barron and I think Deshaun Jameson were your was your secondary in that game. Um, yeah. What do you remember about that strategy that that fivesome used last year against Kalen DeBoer, Ryan Grubb, and the Michael Penix led passing attack? Yeah, I, I do believe Terrence Brooks got in the game late, and right. he uh, he was very good when he did play. It was uh, locking up Roma Dunze, but um, yeah, I believe Jameson started. They played Washington. They were more respectful of the Washington passing game than they, I think they were for any other team they played in 2022, save for maybe uh, Alabama, right? Who had uh, Bryce, Bryce Young. They played, uh, they gave Adunze, he usually had either a safety over the top, like in cover two, or a safety that was staying inside of him to help the cornerback when the cornerback pressed up on him. They played Jade Barron uh, pretty conservatively against the run. Usually uh, Texas would bring a safety or a nickel near the, near the action to help against the run now and again, but they played with a light box in this game. They played with, uh, yeah, there we go. They played with right here. You see the end for nickel. That'd be Jade Barron. 
he played with the slot receiver for most of the game, and he stayed on him to make sure they didn't hit any quick passes. The safety stayed deep. If Adunze was the X, then the safety, strong safety marked by the dollar sign, would stay deep enough to make sure that he didn't get uh, behind him on a post route or a vertical route. Washington is probably the most explosive, dangerous, and vertical passing oriented offense in the country. It's, they live for it. They, it's basically what Sark would like to be at Texas. Um, they, they're just they're just taking shots down the field all the time. And Texas's strategy was basically, we're going to make that as hard as we possibly can. And if you if you can run the ball in our six man box, then go for it. And at times they did. <laughs> Right, I remember. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Uh, Wayne got uh, got got out on a run. I think it was a long forty-two yarder. Um, and just trying to think of, you know, that was a game where Demarvion Overshone wasn't there to help, and so you had Diamante Tucker Dorsey. Uh, so uh, your regular Will wasn't in there, and instead you had a a guy who's a lot smaller than than Demarvion Overshone, uh, to be honest. And that run, that one run where Texas couldn't really defend. The, the Husky rushing offense with that light box was the difference in the game. Uh, it was a seven-point contest. You know, these these receivers that they have, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, who's going to be at pretty close to full health as possible, they didn't let them get a whole lot. I don't think any of them had more than 60 yards. Uh, I think McMillan may have had a good yards per catch number, but none of them had more than 60 yards. Uh, an, a stat you mention all the time yards per attempt it was either it was under six correct yeah, and yeah. and jaron thompson early in the game even made a break on a ball playing i think maybe that cover two ish style you were talking about made a break and recorded an interception so the game plan that the longhorns utilized last year and that remember that not only include Sweat and Murphy kind of as the second team, but it also had Coburn and Ojimo, two guys on NFL rosters right now. It worked for the most part, except for one play on a 42-yard run. I don't think there were any long passes. I don't. I mean, there may have been a couple, but they didn't end up in the end zone, and that's really a key um, because, like you said, they're an explosive passing attack. When you look at their, uh, when you look at Michael Penix's passing numbers, I have Pro Football Focus full, pulled up. 70% of those passes don't have play action. They're trusting Penix to wheel it and deal it and trusting those receivers to get open. Even their fourth receiver, I think either a transfer from Michigan or Michigan State, he's capable of doing really well. So this is a, a game where Texas is going to have to play that light box. And as a result, there may not be as much pressure on the secondary, but and explain this if you will, there's going to be a lot more pressure on guys like Murphy, Sweat, Anthony Hill, Jalen Ford, even Jet Bush, you know, the edge crew of Baron Sorrell and then Ethan Burke to win their, their battles so that uh, the, the Huskies can't chew up yards on the ground and make those safeties have to think again about coming down to help play the run. So the, the point about play action is really big because what that means is that um, – like you use play action so that you can protect your quarterback and uh, it, it forces the defensive line to hesitate because they're not going to race up field and get the quarterback if they think a run is coming. Right? It forces everybody to hesitate. 
it, and it also, yeah, it, it creates hesitation from the linebackers, if not just outright sucking them in. So then you isolate your vertical receivers on the corner, on the safety. The quarterback just reads the alignment of the safety, and then he's throwing the ball, and he's got a lot of time to do it. That's how Texas prefers to do it. That's how most teams take their shots. The fact that Washington isn't doing that is illustrative of just like how advanced Phoenix is. And he is a sixth year senior and how, how much they trust their offensive line, because that means that to hold the linebackers, they're getting four or five receivers out every time. And then they're not taking shots behind a wall of protection on a simple read. They're taking their shots on plays where they're really creating all kinds of stress down the field. They're attacking linebackers. They're attacking non-traditional coverage defenders with their shots. It's like 2019 LSU. The reason teams don't, more teams don't do this is because it's really freaking hard to do it. Um, now they can still run the ball from those spread sets, which puts a lot of pressure on the box. And uh, I mean, arguably to defend it properly, you either need to do what Texas did last year and just have your your safeties and your nickel just be full-time. We are pass guys. We are not worried about the run today. That's like item three on our grocery list, right? You can do it that way, or you can even downsize and play a dime. Either way, you're putting a lot on your front to affect the quarterback and to uh, and to hold up against the run when they do run. Because, I mean, Dylan Johnson, the, the Washington running back, ran for over 1,000 yards this season. They, they do mix it in. It's not, like they, uh, it's not like they just throw it every single play all the time. They, run, the run game is, is still a consistent part of their deal. Absolutely. And I think just one thing before we move on to how Texas will maybe try to be strong in this light box is to note that, like you said about this style, it's it's not air raid. And it's it's important to note that Michael Penix has been with Kalen DeBoer for five of his six years, I believe, in college. When you think about air raid and you think about, I'm not going to, you know, you run the ball maybe if you have to once in a while, you're basically relying on the pass to be your five, six, seven yard gain at times and living with, but this isn't that. This isn't, this is downfield passing. This is going for the kill. And this is using the run as a changeup, uh, not necessarily, you know, just trying to use the pass as your short yardage. Am I, am I off on that or does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, maybe a little more akin to like Colt McCoy in his later years at Texas. Um, but with Colt McCoy and Texas threw it underneath a lot mm-hmm. in Washington, like you said, going for the kill. We'll move on to how that the, there are personnel within that light box that uh, helps Texas chances in this contest. But before we get there, we got to thank our sponsor, Andre the Lawyer, longtime part of Inside Texas. Andre the Lawyer never takes more than their clients. No win, no pay, and no upfront costs. His principal office is in Dallas, Texas, and he's been representing injured Longhorns throughout the Lone Star State. Every client gets a personalized text message number so they can contact the team and get direct access to their lawyer all day and night. Call Andre the Lawyer at 214-444-8808. Okay, 214-444-8808. Whether you're in a car wreck, an 18-wheeler accident, a slip and fall, an on-the-job injury, or wrongful death, call Andre the Lawyer, 
444-8808. So Texas has been playing a light box a lot this year. And as you have written about on Inside Texas, I think you did so today, a big reason why they've been able to do that is that they've been able to deploy Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, and they have just dominated opposing offensive lines, including ones uh, from maybe Ames, Iowa, who have decided to call them out for some reason, even though they ended up getting you know, Sweat got unanimous first-team All-American honors. Byron Murphy's been a second team basically from anybody else who has a selection. Um, and, and, you know, you've even had Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, and Justice Finkley uh, do really well within the run game. Uh, Jet Bush, the, the Gas Camp Award winner, falls in there. But I want to uh, hear you break down where exactly and how exactly Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat have just been able to crush opposing run games to where teams have to play with one hand behind their back um, and just what makes that so special for a Texas defense. So they're kind of, I, I think most fans, they think of a big guy like Tavondre Sweat, who's 6'4", 364 pounds. And you imagine, okay, his role is park yourself in the middle, eat blocks, get doubled all day, don't get moved, and then the linebackers make all the plays. And then Byron Murphy, he's stout and powerful, but he's also quick, and he shoots gaps a lot. And so you imagine a guy like that, he's your three technique. You get him one-on-one -on -one with a guard, and you let him go you know, blow by, fill a gap, break things up. That's not how it works at Texas. It's a little bit different. Um, they put Tavondre Sweat in the three technique, which you see – Labeled by the three, you're an outside shoulder of the guard. You're aligned in the B gap. It's also labeled very helpfully on this diagram. So normally, it, it, like classically, when people talk about a three-technique defensive tackle, they mean a guy that can get into the B gap, rush the passer, cause problems, etc. Aaron Donald. That's, you know, person number one when people think of that. Yeah. Warren Sapp. Uh, whoever whoever comes to mind for you the game today is a little different because of spread offenses the way texas plays it is tavandre sweat will actually line up in the three technique but he'll shove the guard backwards and inside and his goal ideally is to either dominate the guard to such an extent that sweat can later like break off of him and play the a or the b gap or to shove the guard into the A-gap next to the center so that the gap just ceases to exist and then fill the B-gap with his own uh, enormous frame. And so, yeah, his, his stats on the year, um, I don't remember exactly what they are, but I think they're like somewhat modest. It was like five tackles for loss and two sacks or something like that, maybe half a dozen batted passes. He wasn't looking to just like shoot up the field. He was playing the three technique, but unless it was a uh, pass and he got a pass read, in which case he would chuck the guard and, and run after the quarterback. He was really clogging space, even though he was in that three technique position. Murphy usually lined up as a two eye. The eye stands for the inside eye or inside shoulder. So he'd line up inside the guard with nobody over the center. And Murphy, Murphy would actually play a more of a disruptive style. He's not looking, he would, he would play off the guard. He wouldn't just try to shoot by him. 
all the time, but he was definitely way more upfield than Tavondre Sweat was. And the idea with his use is if he gets upfield, he's wrecking a play because it's hard to, it's hard to do much. If like there's a, just a big defensive tackle in the a gaps immediately. So then that would tend to draw double teams and he'd have to get low and stand his ground. Um, and then the, and then the linebackers would be freed up. So it's, it's a different, it's a different approach at Texas that they, that they like to use. Um, it, it almost like a reversal of the normal roles. It still leads to the linebackers making most of the tackles and most of the plays, but those two guys would look to occupy three or four blockers between them and about three gaps basically. And then that just, it just flips the math. The problem exactly. with the white box is you're outnumbered. Right. And, and to, to think of it this way, if Texas were playing a light box, take off one of those tight ends that are on the screen. They would probably not be utilizing that strategy against a, a team that had two tight ends on the field, especially in the blocking and then receiving dynamic. So you would have the C gap, one of them uncovered by a tight end. So you'd have one, two, three, four, five, six gaps. If you are playing the the run with six people, which Texas tended to do, and you have one guy take out one and a half, that means you have five guys there for four four and a half gaps, and that's you are automatically in. You know, you, you uh, what you were when you were once at a disadvantage. You got to make the play, and luckily. Anthony Hill, Jalen Ford, David Benda have been making those plays a lot for Texas. But just to go ahead and cut it off that way, to cut off a place where a running back can go through, you're you're winning and creating you're you're dissipating a numbers advantage just by the play of two players in this situation. And then to speak to a little bit going adding Alfred Collins into the mix, if a team did come out with this front, with having two tight ends, five offensive linemen. Bad idea. Bad idea, because you're inviting Byron Murphy to probably play. He would be playing the four-eye for the most part, right? And they'd put Sweat at True Nose, and then they'd put um, Alfred Collins on the other four-eye, and they would flank them with the Jack. Typically, that was Baron Sorrell. And the Sam, who in a lot of occasions has been um, Jet Bush. And then, of course, the two off-ball linebackers. So you're bringing three high-level defensive tackles, two who are day one or top 50 pick worthy, one who's probably mulling over whether to, to be something like that. You're putting them in front of your offensive line. They have to block those three. And if they don't, that means Jalen Ford, Anthony Hill – or Baron Sorrell probably have a chance to make a play on the run. By the way, you still have four back there defending what could be, you know, two or three uh, if they decide to pass. This doesn't talk about quarterback run game as much because it's not super applicable with Washington. That yeah. is something that teams do. And if, if Texas faces Alabama, that's definitely going to be something that they have to think of again. But Penix, I mean, he'll scramble. He'll, he'll scramble like Quinn Ewers scrambles. And that's not a main feature of their offense. Uh, but what that entails is just that, you know, it's classic, you know, six on six in the box. And 
Texas has guys who can, with with one person, can take away a gap and a half. Uh, you're, you know, another who can take away a gap. You're just winning the math battle right there, which is what football is all about. Anything else on that topic before you get to how that impacts championship defense? Let's talk championship defense because what we're describing here is the calling card of, of a national champion. If you look in my um, <clears throat> in my column today, I mentioned how many interior defensive linemen were drafted from each national champion in the playoff era. And here's a, here's a hint. The answer is always at least one. Uh, Ohio State had one, and they had Joey Bosa outside too. LSU, I, I don't know if all these guys played a ton, but they had like four or five in 2019. Alabama always has a ton. Georgia obviously had uh, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, maybe a couple more that will be drafted from those championship teams once they actually reach the uh, – once they actually get to the their draft eligible status. This is, this is how teams win championships. Um, good teams play good, good run defense. Great defenses play run defense from too high. You want to be able to stop the run because you have the biggest, baddest humans on the planet. And they're, and they're creating these advantages that we just described where you can play more guys back in coverage. Yeah. I wanted to just real quick to say what, what too high meant. Cause sometimes, you know, just think, I can say it too high means two deep safeties instead of rotating one down and having one come in and play the box that kind of limits his ability to get back deep. You have too high, which means that your guys in front can take care of the business and the safeties can play the pass that Washington's going to try to use. Yeah. The, uh, th- this is, this is how you, this is how you went at the highest level. If you go back and watch like um, in 2018, when Clemson took down Alabama, they had NFL players across the defensive line. They stayed back in too high, like Texas did against Washington in the Alamo Bowl. And uh, Alabama, I think, ran up a bunch of yards, but they couldn't convert in the red zone, and they couldn't get any big plays over the top. And Tua Tonga-Vailoa threw a pick six early in the game against a rotating too high blitz, and Clemson won the game. Like, I think if you looked at those two rosters, you'd, you'd have to say that Alabama surely had the more talented roster overall. But Clemson had those the biggest big guys, and that made all the difference. Georgia, obviously, this has been their calling card. Um, uh, who, who else? And Alabama, obviously, as well. This is generally – when Alabama's good, you, you know that you can look in the trenches and find enormous people causing problems for teams trying to run the ball. As of yet – no one has won the national championship in the playoff era without this advantage. And I think not to get too far out on, on a different topic, but that's why it's the dominant theme in the NFL right now on defenses. You don't see very many, you know, deep third defenses now because the passing concepts can tear them up. And yeah. at this level, uh, when you're in the top four, Granted, I know that the other side of the bracket plays a little bit style of ball, but the Texas side of the bracket, it's about passing and deep shots and, you know, playing. You have to mix everything in, but you have to be able to keep numbers back so you're not killed by a 60-yard play, a 50-yard play. It's a big reason why Texas was able to get into range against Oklahoma State so often. They did everything right, but they were able to hit some big, deep plays and some big chunk plays that – 
help put them into that position so they didn't have to work the ball down the field, down the field, down the field. Anything else on championship defense before we get out of here? Yeah, speaking of Oklahoma State and championship defense, I was scouring the Big 12 championship film for examples to show our uh, good readers at Inside Texas how Texas's fronts work when Sweat and Murphy are in the game. And what I found was that Oklahoma State barely ever ran the ball with their Duke Walker winning running back, Ollie Gordon, unless Sweat and Murphy were off the field. And the long 42-yard run that was the difference in the Alamo Bowl last year came when Texas had uh, Vernon Broughton and uh, I don't remember who played the other tackle position, but Broughton, who's improved immeasurably since, got double teamed like five yards off the ball and Washington ran it in because the guy had just an enormous gap to run through. Um, That's not happened this year. They are two deep, three deep across the defensive line. Texas does not yield moments where they put guys out there that can get uh, steamrolled. So, you know, be wary. These are tough, tough teams that Texas is going to play, but the more you think about it, the more exciting it can be for the chances of Texas winning the national championship this year. Like I say, they're all good at this level, but but Texas is good too. And those two guys in the middle are, have been a big reason why. Ian, thank you again. Before we get out of here, you have to mention our sponsor one more time, Andre the Lawyer. Never takes more than his clients. No win, no pay, no upfront costs. From his principal office in Dallas, you'll get a personalized text message number so you can communicate with the team and get direct access all day and night to the team at Andre the Lawyer. Call 214-444-8808. Car wrecks, 18-wheelers, slip and fall, anything that you might need. Andre the Lawyer, 214-444-8808. Ian, this has been awesome. Always like talking X's and O's with you. I think uh, you've got a grasp on it like nobody else in the market. And uh, I like to set you up. A little uh, Steve Nash to the to the rest of the offense, I guess to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm Amari Stoudemire signing Just out. Hit, hitting set shots. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you for watching Inside Texas Football, powered by Inside Texas. Make sure you check out InsideTexas.com. Like the video, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any more great content. We will see you next time.